The following program contains blood, strong violence, and terrifying imagery. Welcome to the campfire. Every month, I'll be here to bring you a new tale of terror, of horror, of the things that creep and crawl in the night. So join me as we descend into the things our minds dare not think of. Another month has come, and here we are again to share a story. This month, I offer you a tale based in Pennsylvania Dutch mythology. A creature few know much about, but one to be feared, all the same. I now present to you, While You Sleep. It was a hot and sticky summer night. Katie flung the covers off of himself and clambered out of bed. The room was lit through the window by the full moon. Outside, the sound of crickets and other insects perforated the walls, seeping into the house, albeit somewhat muted. Katie found the noise to be an effective sedative on most nights, but the summer heat was just a bit too much. They stood by the window, looking out upon the field out in the back. Tall, unmowed grass swayed gently for what seemed like miles. Katie's house sat amidst the grass and flowers, huddled away from the bustle of the city. They had wanted to move to a more rural, secluded area, and they found it nestled out in the fields of Lancaster. Sleep was out of reach, it seemed. Katie walked through the house to the front door and stepped outside. Cutting through the heat and humidity were small gusts of wind. Each burst brought a little comfort against the silent rages of the harsh summer night. Standing on the wooden porch, Katie took a deep breath and sighed. Up in the sky, clouds rolled lazily on by, occasionally covering the moon and briefly bathing the area in a ghostly white glow. Outside, the din from the wildlife was much louder and much less relaxing. Katie shifted nervously and looked up and down the dirt road, leading away towards the towns some miles down the way. Across the road was the edge of the forest that spanned a distance and depth that was beyond their immediate comprehension. Katie took a seat in a rocking chair placed on the porch and tried to focus on the sounds of the nightlife. Somewhere within the cacophony of insects, a strange sound could slowly be heard. At first, it wasn't even there, and then, gradually it became audible, and then louder and louder. It was a peculiar noise, like bone on rock. It sounded like it was coming from everywhere all at once, and then it stopped. Everything stopped. It was as if all sound had been stripped from reality, leaving a deafening silence in its wake. As it continued on, Katie stared off into the darkness of the woods. Slowly rising, a sound could finally be heard. It was the scraping again, 
Once again, the terrible noise grew from a dulled hush and was getting louder by the second. Katie threw their hands over their ears but could not block it out. It hit a fevered pitch and Katie felt themselves lift up their head, but not of their own volition. They looked back out into the darkness of the trees, and looking back at them were a pair of horrid red eyes. A clawed hand, pale white and glistening, extended out from the darkness. Held in its hand was something even whiter. Claws undulated around the object, causing the horrific scraping. Katie gasped in recognition. It was a bone. The hand crushed the bone into dust, and Katie sat upright in bed, sweating and panting. The full moon hung high and shone through the window, lighting the room in pale white highlights. Katie slid the covers off and sat on the edge of the bed. Every breath felt like a needle caught deep inside of them. Slowly they began to catch their breath, but a strange feeling stayed rooted in their chest. Almost at once, they realized they were out of the dream and let out a huge sigh. A feeling of weight loss rushed over them, and it felt like they had purged out whatever it was that was within them. The dream felt so real that Katie scanned the room, looking for anything amiss. The walls, the ceiling, and the floor were tightly fitted planks of maple. Their bed was carved out of fine oak, with a mattress that normally ensured they'd have a long and ample night's rest. They couldn't remember the last time they had a nightmare, especially not one like they'd just woken from. Katie flicked on the lights. The house may be rustic, but they made sure to at least have electricity. The light came on with a soft buzz, and the room was awash in the brightness. There was a desk against the wall, and Katie sat down in front of it and opened the top drawer. From inside, they produced a small brown leather book and a pen. They flipped through the pages past several months' worth of entries until they found an empty spot and began to write about their dream. Every detail they could remember found its way into the little tome. Satisfied, they closed the book and returned it to the drawer. Katie flicked the light switch again, and the room fell under a shroud of darkness, only pierced by the light of the moon. They took one last look around the room, and then snuck back under the covers and closed their eyes. Katie spent most of their days out in the garden, tending to the tomatoes and lettuce, and out in the woods hunting for deer. They learned quickly how to use a bow and arrow, and the skill continued to pay off as the years passed. At first, the hunts were tough and misses were common. Time and repetition gave Katie an instinctually sharp aim, and the results kept them fed for quite a long while. Over time, they had also learned how to locate deer markings and scat, as well as recognize the sounds they made as they moved through the forest. A freezer chest back at home ensured the meat would last long enough before the next hunt would arise. One afternoon, Katie stalked through the trees in the hopes of finding a large buck. The canopy let in enough sunlight to give the forest a calming glow. Twigs snapped, and the sound of leaves being rustled flitted into earshot. Many minutes passed before Katie located a rather large-sized buck standing near a circle of berry shrubs. 
As Katie knocked their bow, the buck looked up at them. There was something wrong with its eyes. It shook its head and snorted before squaring up at Katie. It pawed at the ground, lowered its head, and charged. Katie felt rooted to the ground. Those eyes. A loud bleat from the buck dragged them out of their trance, and Katie rolled to the side out of the way of the buck's rage. As Katie pulled himself up from the ground, they fumbled with the bow, and knocking the arrow. The buck had ground to a halt and was turning around to charge again. Katie's hands shook as they lined up the shot. The buck began to lower its head again, and Katie let the arrow fly right into the buck's forehead. It crumpled to the ground immediately, and Katie dropped to one knee, shaking. They regained their composure after a minute, and walked over to the corpse to carry it home. As they bent down, their eyes came in contact with the bucks. As the light in them dimmed, Katie could swear that the look behind them was pure terror. The hunt proved quite fruitful, and the remains should be enough for three months. Katie washed their hands clean of the gore and blood, the meat ready for preservation. A rack of hides hung in the cleaning room, all prepared to bring into town for some money. Katie would bring them out there at the end of the week to cap off the chores. The night before their excursion into town seemed to come swiftly. The day had been spent collecting tomatoes, some for slicing, others for stewing, and lettuce. As the sun set across the horizon, Katie sat at their dinner table enjoying the venison stew and light salad. Their bowl was picked clean by the time the last rays touched the ground. The full moon rose in its place, casting silvery light into the room. Katie felt a shiver, remembering what happened the last full moon a month ago. As they cleaned up the dinner table and kitchen, they found themselves constantly looking back to the bedroom. A sense of unease began to fill the room as the moon climbed into the sky outside. They did their best to take their time, but there was only so much to do, and before they knew it, the room was in order. The work from the day had made them tired as it was, and that fatigue was in conflict with the growing worry. Now ready for bed, Katie slid the covers over themselves and, in spite of the nagging feeling, fell asleep. Katie found themselves in the middle of town, completely nude. Familiar faces passed by like ghosts, moving about their routines as if they were the only ones around. The sky was overcast, and the sun seemed to be missing. Katie took a couple steps forward and realized that their footsteps made no sound. Down the street to their right was a trading post and the newspaper office. They turned to walk in that direction, but their movement was slow. Every movement they made seemed to have a visual echo. They stopped for a moment and waved their hand in front of their face. Sure enough, they were right. Their whole arm and hand left traces as they moved. Looking closer at the people all around, they did too. Katie snapped out of it and slowly made their way to the trading post. 
After what felt like hours, they finally reached the door and grabbed it. The door opened faster than they were expecting, and they were suddenly pulled into blackness. They stood there, surrounded by the dark. They looked around, and all they could see was the darkness. Confused and scared, Katie tried to walk, but found themselves rooted to the spot. A light broke through the darkness, shining down on them. Katie shivered and tried to cover themselves. The silence was perforated by the sounds of crickets coming from behind them. Fighting the binding feeling, Katie painstakingly turned around, and the forest from across the street appeared before them. The uneasy feeling was replaced by a full-blown terror, and Katie started to back up, finally gaining full motor function again. As they stepped back, their feet got caught up in a tangle of wood and rope. They fell flat on their back, landing hard on a pile of badly broken bows. The moment they landed, a heavy pressure pushed down on their legs. They tried to get up again, but the forest kept them down. It was then that the scraping sound came back. It didn't fade in like last time but instead broke out of the forest at full volume. Katie's blood ran cold as the red eyes appeared again. From out of the darkness between the trees, two hands emerged. In one hand it held a skull and was clawing at it in rhythm. The creature stood still for a moment, the clawing at the skull stopping. Suddenly the other hand shot across the road and went straight into Katie's chest. It retracted, holding a glistening red, pulsating object. Katie collapsed entirely as the creature began to caress the skull again. The scraping faded out, and once again Katie awoke, covered in sweat. Katie let out a huge breath, as if they hadn't been breathing for several minutes. As they tried to get out of bed, they found their legs weak. Their feet touched the floor and their legs buckled almost immediately. Every breath felt like someone had socked them in the stomach. They lay on the carpet for a moment, trying to catch their breath. As their energy came back, they grabbed the desk chair and hoisted themselves onto it facing the desk. Their breaths continued to come in short bursts as they wrote, shakily, into the journal. The weighted feeling they had last time took longer to go away. Several hours later, Katie collapsed back into bed, wondering what to do next. They looked back over at the desk and the journal, and decided that when they go into town in the morning, they'd ask around. Maybe someone could tell them what was going on. The sun was high and beating down upon the main road of the town. Several people had umbrellas to shade from the giant star's blasts, while others carried bottles filled with water, taking sips every so often. Katie carried the hides from the previous hunts over their shoulder and walked down the connecting road and onto the main strip. Off to the left was the doctor's clinic, and Katie decided to head there first and see if there was a medical explanation for the nightmares and the fatigue. They opened the door and a bell dinged as they walked into the clinic. 
a woman with a bright smile on her face greeted Katie, who laid the hides on a nearby chair and greeted her back. Good morning, Katie. I see it's that time again. Why did you come here and not the trading post? Good morning, Mary, Katie glummed, feeling like they hadn't slept in weeks. I've been having some issues, and I thought Dr. McKay might be able to help. Mary looked Katie over and tisked. My goodness, you look an awful fright. Have you not been sleeping well? Katie shook their head, an effort that dealt a sharp pain to their neck, as if they'd slept on it wrong. Their whole body ached and twitched as they stood explaining to Mary the strange events that had occurred over the last two months. Mary came around from behind the counter and eased Katie into a nearby seat while she grabbed the doctor. Minutes passed before Dr. McKay emerged from the back rooms. By then, Katie was grappling with the aches as well as a growing headache. Dr. McKay and Mary helped Katie into the examination room and set them down on a reclining chair. So, Katie, Mary tells me you're experiencing some weakness and pains. Katie nodded slowly and winced. Whatever it was, it was getting worse. Dr. McKay did his best to examine Katie with minimal discomfort, which ultimately proved difficult. Once the examination was over, Dr. McKay left the room for a few minutes. When he came back, he had a small bottle of pills in his hand. I think what we're dealing with could be early-onset arthritis. I know you spend a lot of time gardening and hunting, but neither of those are particularly exacerbating. I would, however, recommend you go right back home and get some rest. Dr. McKay placed a pill in Katie's mouth and gave them some water to wash it down. Take one of these a day. This should help you manage the pain for now. Take it easy for a few weeks and come back so we can see how much progress you've made. This is something that will need constant treatment and observation to keep in check. Katie swallowed and waited. Eventually, the medicine kicked in and the waves of pain and ache washed out of them. They thanked the doctor and left the clinic with the hides. As they got back to the junction between the main road and the road back home, they stopped and briefly considered heading back home right away. The hides slapped against their back as they came to a stop, reminding them of what they still needed to do. They turned and headed down the other end of the main road towards the trader's post. Once there, they opened the door slowly and walked inside. The air was nice and cool, and various items of note and import lay scattered around the store on tables and shelves. A large counter divided the show floor in the back area of the store. Standing behind the counter was a hunched, wrinkled old woman. She looked up and smiled as Katie approached the counter. My dear, it's nice to see you again, she said in a strained but honeyed voice. I take it you have something for me? Katie nodded and walked up to the counter. The old woman chuckled at first. But when they got a good look at Katie's face, she stopped. A serious look came over her face, and she reached a hand out to Katie's face. Abigail, Katie chirped. What's... Shh, 
Abigail said in a hush. You have been visited by something quite horrible, haven't you? Abigail's hand glided along Katie's face and shoulders, and Katie felt something strange wash over them. The weighted feeling dogging them seemed to lessen at Abigail's touch. She clicked her tongue and disappeared into the back. She appeared shortly after, carrying a dusty old book. My dear, you have been the prey this time. What is hunting you is a creature born of the woods and nightmares that circle the trees every night. Abigail opened the book and quickly flipped through the pages. Finally, she found what she was looking for and swiveled the book around so Katie could see. On the page was a terrifying figure. Ghostly pale, sinewy arms and legs. Long, sharp talons protruded out of its hands. It had a warped and emaciated face that resembled a monkey who hadn't eaten in years. On the accompanying page was a smaller creature. The face was somewhat the same as the horror on the right, but this one looked more goblin-like. The hands had claws, but they were much smaller. The face was symmetrical and fuller. What you see is a trotokoff, Abigail continued. They are a creature that does the bidding of witches and other evil folk. Depending on the type of witch, they can be benign, being sent out to collect things the witch needs for their spells and potions. But, she motioned to the other, terrifying creature. If left alone too long, they grow and become independent. Without a witch to feed them, they search around until they can find a source of food. These Trotterkoffs find human energy to be a particularly deep source of sustenance. To obtain it, they attack in the night on the full moon when their power is at its peak, violating its victims' dreams to feed. Katie stood bewildered. Abigail was well known to be one of superstition and myth, but this time they felt like what she was saying might actually make sense. The legends say that if you are targeted by a Trotterkopf, you must dispel them before the third full moon of their first visit or you will be drained and left for dead. How many times has this creature visited you? Twice now, I think. Abigail, are you sure this is real? Abigail scoffed. Have I ever lied to you? People today may not believe in the old ways and the old stories, but I assure you, they're very real. If it really is a Trotterkopf, how do I dispel it? First, you must prepare a prayer. Abigail scribbled something on a piece of paper and handed it to Katie. Write the following above your front door. When the Trotterkopf attempts to enter, recite the prayer out loud. It will find itself bound to the spot as the prayer takes hold. To end its terrible visits, you must strike it hard and fast in the forehead. Once struck, the corpse must be burned. Do it fast or it will return at greater danger. Incredulous, Katie took the paper and left the hides with Abigail. A cure to whatever was hounding them was worth every hide in the world, no matter how absurd it may sound. The medicine helped Katie make the walk back home, 
Once there, they went about carving the words on the wood above the front door. The month passed, and before long, the night of the third full moon was upon them. Katie slept during the day so they could stay awake at night. If there was a Trotterkov, they shouldn't be too hard to catch with Abigail's prayer. The moon rose in all its bright and silvery might, and Katie waited. It was close to midnight, and Katie had started pacing out of impatience. Hurry up already, damned thing, they thought to themselves. The noise from the insects outside ebbed and flowed in a cacophonous cascade. A few minutes passed, and suddenly a scratching could be heard at the front door. Katie stopped in their tracks and turned to the door, anxiety welling up inside of them. Then, thin, sharp claws slipped through the crack between the door and the frame. Clamping around the door, the terrible creature's hand drugged the door out and wide. It stood in the doorway, illuminated by the moon. It looked exactly like the awful creature in Abigail's book, and it wasn't happy its meal was awake. Katie felt their heart beating fast and braced themselves. It was real after all. The Trotterkopf let out a sharp hiss and crossed the threshold and into the living room. Katie took a deep breath and shouted the prayer as loud as they could. Trotterkopf, I forbid thee my bedstead, that thou mayst not breathe upon me, or breathe into some other house. Leave until thou hast ascended every hill, until thou hast counted every fence post, and until thou hast crossed every water. The Trotterkopf shrieked in anger, but did not move from its place just inside the house. For a brief moment, they stared at one another. Something was eating at Katie's mind. They hadn't completed the prayer. What were the final words? The Trotterkopf craned its head and gazed deeply into Katie's eyes. As if understanding their thoughts, it attempted to move, finding its mobility slowed but still capable of moving forward. Katie panicked, trying to remember the final words of the prayer. The creature started to circle them, and Katie took a step back, bumping into their bow and arrow quiver. Katie grabbed the bow knocked an arrow, and continued to move away from it towards the front door. As they got near the door, they saw the words carved into the wood and let out a sharp gasp as they remembered the prayer was written there. They scanned the words for the final passage of the prayer while the Trotterkopf hissed and advanced on them. They finally got to the end and turned immediately to the Trotterkopf. And thus... Dear day may come again into my house. In the name of God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. The Trotterkopf stopped abruptly as if held in place. A cacophony of shrieks peeled out of it as Katie aimed the bow and arrow right at its forehead. It tried to thrash, but could not move at all. Amen, Katie shouted and let loose an arrow right into the dead center of the Trotterkopf's face. The creature let out one more scream before crumpling into a horrid pile of pale flesh. 
Immediately, Katie ran over and scooped up the wretched corpse. They rushed it outside to a pile of logs already lit and burning brightly on the grass. Katie tossed the corpse onto the fire and stood watching as the body slowly burned up, letting ash rise, be scooped up, and scattered by the wind. Thank you for joining me in sharing these nights of terror. We'll be back next month with more spine-chilling tales. I look forward to seeing you again around the campfire. Sweet dreams. Thank you.